Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Because you're listening today, I want to go ahead and give you a gift. It's a gift I've crafted with immense love, care, and the wisdom of my own journey. This gift is my six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. It's more than just a guide. It's a heartfelt roadmap designed to navigate the terrain of living alcohol-free. Each step in this blueprint is a beacon of light, illuminating your path, guiding you towards a healthier, happier, and truly radiant version of yourself. It's your tool for empowerment filled with practical strategies and emotional insights that will resonate with your personal experiences. It's the companion you deserve on your sobriety journey. And the best part, it's been thoughtfully created for those like me who found traditional programs like AA or the 12 steps not quite aligning with their needs. So if you are ready to embrace this adventure with open arms and an open heart, go ahead and text the word GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's the word GIFT at 1-855-649-6196. And after all, this just isn't a blueprint. It's the start of your beautiful transformation. So let's embark on this journey together. In today's episode, we are honored to have Lainey Liberty, a guiding light who has turned the shadows of her past into a beacon for countless families and teens. From the depths of trauma to the heights of empowerment, her journey offers a unique perspective on connecting, healing, and growing as a unit. Together, we'll explore partnership parenting, the essence of core values, and the power of understanding our internal worlds. So grab your headphones, settle in, and join us on this enlightening conversation. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I'm here with Lainey Liberty. She is a renowned author, speaker, community leader, and advocate for alternative education. She is considered a pioneer in the world schooling movement and founded Transformative Mentoring for Teens in 2020 to help support the mental health of adolescents. In 2022, Lainey released her first book, Seen, Heard, and Understood, which quickly became a bestseller in the Parenting New Releases category on Amazon. Lainey is also the co-founder and facilitator of Project World School, which offers retreats for teens to create temporary learning communities around the world. Through her experiences living with teens in over 20 international locations, Lainey has developed a unique perspective on the importance of personalized learning and supporting young people's mental health during difficult times. Her work has helped parents, caregivers, and teens themselves build stronger relationships, achieve personal growth, and succeed in life by providing valuable insights, research-backed tools, and practical strategies. Thank you so much, Lenny, for joining me today. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here with you. What a wonderful podcast. Yeah, I'm excited too, because like I was mentioning to you before, I have a, a teenager, and I 
and he's on the spectrum of autism, autism, and, you know, he doesn't really socialize too much. And I, I always say, that's okay. That's just his personality. That's what he wants to do. But I wanted to ask you and start off, like, what inspired you to dive into team mentoring? Wow. Well, um, I guess, you know, there, there, there's like all these roads that converge to the same place. And I just happened to be there in the middle. Um, I'm somebody who grew up with trauma and I did a lot of self-directed healing. Part of my own trauma response from my childhood was hyper-independence. It drove me down a path to becoming a very self-directed everything, healer, um, learner, all of these these self-directed things. And in, in many ways, it served me. You know, I can do this myself. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show the world. Um but if you can get the sense that there is some some healing that needed to be done with that response, it served me, but it also it also um, impact my relationships and the way that I walk through the planet. So I had a lot of deep dives to go um, through in my life, my twenties and thirties. My twenties were filled with relationships that were following the same pattern it was a lot of you know pull them close push them away pull them close push them away and that was a product of somebody who had a disorganized attachment style from childhood so I needed to heal that a lot of the hyper independence really led down to uh, uncovering and discovering and integrating and healing my um, trust for another person and, and, you know, reprogramming and overcoming the, uh, beliefs that I wasn't good enough. And, you know, I spent most of my childhood feeling like I was invisible and that's not a really great way to feel. And when I had a child, my son is now 24, but when he became, when he entered his adolescence, a lot of the stuff that was not healed within me was triggered because I needed to look at that stuff. And our children, believe it or not, are our best teachers. They're going to show us the spaces within that we need to heal, the spaces that we need to look at where our needs weren't met. And anytime we feel a trigger or a response, that's our work. So, you know, going down the path of self-directed healing and self-directed learning, I understood and, and dove deep into lots of parenting modalities and recognized that a lot of the modalities that people were talking about were wonderful in many respects. They were, you know, outside of the conventional way of parenting, but there was still a coercive element to it. So like in, say, peaceful parenting or gentle parenting or, or, or many of the other modalities, the way, the manner in which you interact with your child is peaceful or gentle or kind. However, you're still working to change the behavior of your child without taking accountability for why you wish to have this behavior changed and that's your work and there is an element there of coercion that I just didn't feel good about I was very very sensitive to 
a manipulation or having an agenda because trust me as a child I could sniff those out and I knew that my child could sniff those things out so for me having a very um, difficult adolescence myself and understanding all the the stuff that surrounded it for me it really like propelled me to dive deep into learning the adolescent brain learning about the psychology and developmental stages and learning to partner with somebody who was entering their adolescence and so we sort of raised each other yeah that's so awesome yes and I love boys they're so they're so they love their mommies right (laughs) the boys love their mommies they're so precious so much oh Oh. my god the mom-son relationship is incredible in fact I just rushed back from having a dinner day with my son I was like (laughs) so yeah that is so awesome yeah so with my son you know, because, you know, I'm a recovered alcoholic, you know, I was drinking for many years, his father and me were always fighting, and he was very little at the time. And he was just so quiet and just would go and hide in the room. And there was just so much trauma going on. It wasn't until his dad and I finally divorced. And then uh, I had to work on myself. First off, I had to get sober. I had to get sober. That's the first step. I had to get sober. And then, like you said, I had to work on my own childhood trauma, whatever was stuck in there, you know, because then I would go ahead and release that energy onto my child unknowingly. And so then he would get the, he would get the bad side of his mom, you know, so bless his heart. He's very patient. And I noticed that as he's gotten older and as I've healed more, he and I have such a better relationship together. And in in the beginning, he was definitely struggling in school. Like I said, he, I think it was his fourth or fifth grade. He was uh, tested for autism and we, they discovered that he was on the spectrum. And so he had to take a lot of like, um, like a physical, what's it called? Uh, Independent. What is that program called? Um, when they have their own independent studies, <laughs> their own yeah, curriculum. Right. IEP. IEP. Like yes. Thank you. Thank you. And um, so he was doing that. And a lot of the teachers would always tell me, you know, he's not talking a lot to the people, you know, to the other classmates, you know, and then they're trying to make me feel like I need to be concerned about something like, like he's not social. Like I need to like then t- check his speech or this or that. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> It's so frustrating, you know, and then poor bless his heart. Like he had to go to like five different, like five different schools. And now he's finally at a high school where he loves and that he's happy at, but it's so hard to talk to your teen when they don't want to talk to you. What are some ways that we, how, how can we communicate with our teenager and have them open up to us? Like whatever is going on in their head and their heart. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And let's consider for a moment that you're talking about a child who's on the spectrum. So his communication skills or, or ability to express himself may be different than somebody who is not neurodivergent and that's okay. Um, It's always about the relationship, the connection and the relationship. And there is no one script to follow each child is different. Thank God we're not all clones, right? We're all different and unique and and we all come with different worldviews and likes and passions and desires. And our brains all work differently. And I look at those that are neurodivergent 
uh, as a superpower because that enhances many of the the ways that they perceive things and see the world and it's a beauty to honor that um how do we make concessions well if you're not neurodivergent yourself you've got to dive deep into their world and find spaces where you can connect don't ever lay agendas like i said before or expectations onto our child I am a self-proclaimed anarchist. And what that means is I have, I'm allergic to somebody trying to dominate or, or, you know, take authority over me in any way. I always engage in relationships with everybody that I meet based on consent, which means each party needs to consent to the engagement, to the, the connection, the relationship. So, Part of what I always recommend to parents is ask consent. Ask if you if if your child is willing to have a conversation. Let them know that you're available to do so, and find out. Ask, talk, you know, move whatever the the style of communication that works for each individual. In your case, your your son. Um, really explore together the manners in which you communicate the best. If he's neurodivergent, maybe he doesn't like eye contact. Maybe he doesn't like specific topics. Maybe you guys need to keep your body in motion while you're communicating. Maybe it's a side-by-side, you know, stroll around the block. Maybe, who knows, maybe you guys you know, jump into the pool together. I don't know what works for for your son, but that is a wonderful journey to find out. And the reason why I brought up the anarchist thing is I approach all of the interactions and relationships, like I said, through consent. If you have an agenda, if your agenda is to change his behavior in one way or another to serve you, then you're not trying to connect, you're trying to coerce. And part of the the script that I give to parents is, number one, pause before you act or do or say something, right? Pause, learn to pause and practice pausing in your family because it's a wonderful way to be introspective. And after you pause, ask yourself in the in your mind, is the thing that I'm going to say, do, or request, or act, is this meant to bring greater connection? Or is it meant somehow to coerce them into doing something or being something? And if it's, and if you even, it, like I said, if it's a gentle parenting technique, you know, kindly ask them. Well, that's still coercion. You know, kindly tell him to brush his teeth. Like, oh dear, brush your teeth. Like, you know, that's that's still a coercive thought or coercive act. Instead, let him know, here's what what is of value to me and hopefully to you in our in in our family culture. You know, maybe good hygiene is one of the things that we 
respect yeah. and honor and seek. Maybe it's not. Some families don't value that highly. That's okay. Um, but whatever it is, let them know that this is a value to you. And instead of asking him to do it, invite him to join mm -hmm. you while you do it. And if he doesn't want to do it, his body, his choice, right? 100%. Yeah. And that might be controversial. People, you know, like I, I just touched on the most basic thing, like brushing, brushing your teeth. And people are like, well, of course my child needs to brush their teeth. Right. Well, do they? I don't know. I mean, I think so, but you know, yeah, I, everybody's yeah. different. Every family's different. Who knows? <laughs> His body's going to be an adult at some point. He needs to be able to find the intrinsic, the motivation from inside to take care of himself. And by you modeling that and expressing, you know, your value around hygiene and help him unpack the consequences if he chooses to do something else, that's your role. That's not coercion. That's parenting. Yeah. yeah, I'm blessed. Actually, he has a nice regimen that he follows. You know, he's very neat and has this nice regimen. <laughs> and Perfect. if you break that regimen, then he'll be like, ah, what are you doing to my schedule? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, honey. I know it's just for temporary. Okay. <laughs> but um, he, he did have a hard time at school as myself, you know, growing up the school was not my friend. You know, there's only a, maybe a handful of teachers throughout like K through 12th grade that really made a difference in my life because the school's in high school, I like, I didn't want to learn calculus. I didn't want to learn like physics. <laughs> Those are areas in my, that I don't know about too well. I, I love more like, like learning about maybe biology is better or then maybe like, I love PE, of course. I was very active and then I just love like English, but I didn't like math or science, but I felt like we were always pressed to take these classes and it wasn't fun. So I love what you're doing. You actually have a wonderful program. And you you actually travel with teens then. Can you talk a little bit about what the, what the Project World School is? Sure. So as you can probably guess, as an anarchist, I'm not really crazy about the traditional school system because it's coercive, it's, it's compulsive, uh, uh, compulsory, it's compulsive, it's compulsory by nature. Most people have to go. And most parents believe that their children have to go to school. And that's not actually true. You have the ability to choose other forms of education. I removed my child from school when he was nine years old. Um, he he so happily boasts. We just, like I said, we just got back from dinner and we were chatting with somebody at the next table. And he's like, yeah, the, the guy asked him, so do you study here in, in the town that we live in? And he said, no, I don't, I don't. I study by myself. I don't study at the university. Um, I'm actually a fifth grade dropout. And he was so proud of that. That, that is so cute. So proud of him because he's so articulate and so highly educated because the motivation to learn came from within and he's a scholar in so many different areas. But most of us don't really develop a deep love of learning and school tends to program you out of that you know, spend 50 minutes and and focus on this, then switch and go here, switch and then do this, switch and do that. And then, oh yeah, 
raise your hand and ask permission to go to the bathroom. To me, that is not really conducive of a creative learning environment that supports the learner. And I'm glad that your son has an independent learning um, program because that is a little better suited towards the needs of the individual, which I think we're all so different. We're not meant to learn the same things. And somebody like you who doesn't like calculus, you know, maybe sitting next to a person who loves calculus. And the two of you are going to have very different experiences with calculus and why waste your time with something that is not going to serve you. Why not find your deep love of learning for the thing that you love? So what we do, though, is my son, like I said, was uh, not going to school. He was home educated. We use the form of learning called unschooling. And then because we traveled, we called it uh, world schooling. And basically, our learning became experiential learning, social learning, um, self-directed learning. And I spoke about myself being a self-directed learner in the beginning. Um, yeah, so that's that's the, the form of education that we adapted. And when my son hit his adolescence, we were actually living our, we were based out of Cusco, Peru. And he started to feel the desire to have community and one of the questions that I posed to him was, do you want to go back to the States and find people to form community with? And he said, no way. I don't want to live in the States. I love (laughs) our lifestyle. We lived nomadically for almost 15 years. So more of his life was spent outside of the United States traveling and, and learning and, you know, leading our trips and so forth. So when he was 13 together, we formed this company called Project World School. And we started to bring teams to different places in the world to have these experiential learning experiences, really deep learning, deep learning by doing, learning by doing is the most powerful way and the most meaningful way and the most in context way to learn. And that became um, our project. We've been running Project World School as partners for the last 10 years. And we brought over 200 teens to countries around the world for these month-long learning retreats. They're learning communities. Um, part of what I had to do was study, you know, and learn how to facilitate learning communities. I had to learn everything about nonviolent communication about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, conflict resolution, and then all of the mental health self-directed healing that I did, which was in the form of tools came in handy because here we are with a group of teens and now we're in South Africa and we're, you know, doing a safari and, um, Kruger park and fears coming up, discomforts coming up. Um, We needed to have tools and strategies to unpack this stuff. We needed, I needed to hold space, safe spaces for people Mm. to go inward and really understand their internal worlds. And all the tools that I used in my own self-directed healing came in handy because I started to facilitate those tools 
during our trips. So that's Project World School. We brought I love that. It's so amazing. We brought teens to Asia and Africa and South America, Europe, all over, all over. And it's just been powerful. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Because yeah. they're growing. They're like in between like child and uh, young adult. <laughs> so their minds and their hormones are going crazy. Like, what do I do? So this gives them a wonderful opportunity for them to learn different cultures and like learn different practices. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From cultural, from a cultural perspective, the deep cultural experiences are life changing. But from the the perspective of where they are developmentally, they're meant, their brains are designed to try on new identities, mm. to figure out how they fit in the world. And here's a true experience to step into, try on being the kind person or being the compassionate person or being the support person or being the little jerk you like we get to, yeah. you get to try all of those identities and see what resonates for them and we get to reflect and we get to to share with them give them direct feedback hey guys you know I did that thing. I did mm-hmm. that thing and I was out of line. What do you guys think? And many times I've said those words during our night circles because I make mistakes too. But the modeling of the reflection of checking in, seeing how I am, you know, reacting, responding in certain situations and allowing myself to reflect and modeling that it's safe to do that really helps teens to open up and trust and trust okay it's okay to be themselves it's okay to make mistakes I mean I remember a story I was so I was so floored at my own stupid mistake (laughs) right we were we were actually here in Mexico we ran a trip for a group of teens in Mexico and we went to go visit one of the beautiful cenotes and it was filled with tourists we did this tour and and we were all tired and it was like over a hundred degrees and we were all standing in line to exit and I was just like screw it I'm just gonna walk there's nobody there nobody everybody's exiting I'm gonna go that way and the group of teens followed me and and the woman who was at the guard gate said this is why I hate Americans oh Oh, that was me. That was me modeling that it's okay to be disrespectful. And I ate crow and I apologize. We did our unpacking for that night. Every night we do a circle on our trips. And I talked about how much, how ashamed I felt and what a big mistake I made. And it was okay to admit to this group that I really messed up, that that I was being arrogant, that I was being impatient, that I was not being the respectful person that I like to be when I walk through the planet. It just happened to be, you know, all of those things combined, um, you know, I made the mistake and I modeled that it was okay to be a jerk and I never want to do that again. So I learned and I was able to own that. And that experience really allowed others to step into their accountability. And that was really a beautiful learning process. 
Yes. You know, and we're human. We're yeah. human. I mean, <laughs> we have feelings, we have emotions, we get cranky, we get joyful. We have all these different emotions. And that's just so beautiful about being human is that we are able to have access to all of those and then we're able to change it as well. And I was going to say that, um, my, so I have two other little boys. There's a nine-year-old and there's a seven-year-old. So it's not just my 15-year-old. Now, I all make sure, yeah, all boys. So I make sure, because I'm remarried now, I make sure and I ask, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I feel like with school, it should have been this way. So most kids know what they want to do at the age of like four or five. They're like, oh, I want to be doctor. Oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. If they're really so passionate about it, and you can tell because they're drawing it every day, they're reading books about it, they're watching little cartoons about it. I'll give you the example of my little, the youngest one. He loves the giant squid. <laughs> really random, you know, I, I read a little book when he was little, the giant squid book, and he's just fascinated with the big eye and everything. To this day, <laughs> he still like raves about it. And so I said, you know, his name is Peyton. I said, Peyton, why don't you do a little report and a, uh, do a presentation for mommy? You know, you're so knowledgeable with the colossal squid, the giant squid. What This is during 2020 when, you know, we're trying to make do at home. And I said, why don't you give mommy a report about these? And he got so excited about the colossal squid and the giant squid. So he gave me a full report and he had the whiteboard and he was drawing and the, the colossal squid. The reason why it's bigger or longer is because it has these long um, tentacles or, and then the giant squid doesn't, it's not that, not as big and da, 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 da. he was going on and on. he was like the expert at the giant squid. I'm like, wow, blown away. Cause he was like maybe five at the time or four at the time. And so I really feel like the child, when you, when you, when the child shows interest in a subject, I think it's just best to get a mentor in that topic for them and just to have them get and just give them books on that topic. Just, just give them to dive more deeper and deeper and deeper into that topic. And then later on, learn like the basic, like reading, writing and whatever they need to know, but have that passion for themselves. So that way they're, this is what I love. This is what I do. This is what I meant to, this is why you're here on earth. You know, so I, that's my philosophy of like little education for the children instead of the schools I don't like the schools exactly and you're allowing them to tap into their own unique love of learning without judgment right that's really beautiful um can I share a little story absolutely yeah yeah so my son like most kids um, he was so fascinated with Greek mythology, like that was his thing, but he didn't like the, what's it, the Rick Riordan stuff, because that's fiction, not based on the true myth, and, you know, and he got really particular, and at 12, 13, 14, 15, he's reading the Iliad and the Odyssey, and he's like, see mom, see where it veers, and he just got really deep into Greek um, mythology. It was, and in fact, uh, origin stories and myth from around the world was one of those topics that he was so incredibly fascinated with. And so I did not get him a mentor, but I got him all the books and resources and everything that he wanted. And we were living in Peru at the time. And he's like, mom, I really want to go to Greece. I was like, let's go, let's do it. Sure. This is your passion. Let's do it. So we went the first time and then we designed a trip 
to bring a group of teens back to walk in the pathway of the gods. And we followed, you know, the, all of the myth based on the, this, the areas, the actual location that was written about. We were in Athens, we're in Pelion. We were, we went to some of the islands. We went to the Peloponnese. We were, we were all over and it was just so incredible. But as we were setting up our trip, doing the trip before our team retreat, we went into the Museum of, of Archaeology in Athens. And at the time, my son was 16, maybe 17. And we're walking around looking at all the different you know, sculptures and, and reliefs. And the docent was there talking about all of the things. And my son's name is Miro. He went up to her and we, we she started walking with us through the museum. And they're having this deep conversation about the myth and all the different um, areas. I, I wish I was, I wish I could speak to this topic uh, intelligently, but I can't, it's not. <laughs> but at the end of spending over an hour with us, she turned around and looked at me and she said, this young man knows more than most PhDs that work in this museum. And this is crazy. He wow. is so knowledgeable. And I said, yeah, he's passionate about this topic. And that was the first time that I had an outside source reaffirm that the the learning is deep it's real it's it's you know people go to university for many many years to get this kind of education <laughs> so allowed to follow their own passions and encouraged to do so and supported right yes yeah so oh. reminds me we need to take a trip to the monterey bay aquarium again <laughs> see those do little it. squids <laughs> do it <laughs> yes and the other one really loves drawing he's like really good at art so i'm just like just draw something it's so cute because they both like well the younger one likes godzilla like is a big fan of godzilla and so the other, older one will then teach him how to draw godzilla like this is how you do you know its tail its face you know and it's just so cute seeing them together like play like that it's so adorable that's why i love the little children I and now that I'm, yeah, that's a blessing. And now that I'm healthier and I've worked on my mindset, so I, I, I've gotten so much better. I'm not perfect. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not, I'm not going to say that at all. <laughs> None of us are. <laughs> I have my mistakes, trust me, but I so much better. And so I'm able then to teach the children more about deep breathing, relaxation techniques, and just to be with, go within you know, just to really go within. And I was sharing this on one of the other podcasts that I um had a while back that my son does this thing that looks weird to everybody. What he does is he's done this since he was a baby though, like one years old, would just rock, 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 rock. And then kind of like go like, like a trance talk or something. And I was always wondering like, what, why is he always doing that? But then I've come to realize, you know what, this is his zone. This is where he's trying to get into his zone and, have some quiet time where he's just, he's connecting to his soul. And so then I just let him be. I say, you know what, Peyton, I tell him, you do that. Whatever you want to, you just do it. Okay. I'll give you your time. I'll even go upstairs, <laughs> but this is your time, you know, and he, he, that's just his thing. And so I just <laughs> let him do it. It's a beautiful act of self soothing and congratulate him 
on the internal knowing of what works for him and encourage more of that. That's beautiful. For children that are on the spectrum, and I, are, are you talking about the one that's on the spectrum? Yeah. Oh, this was when the, he was young. No, not the one on the spectrum, the youngest yeah. one. Yeah. Well, for children that are on the spectrum, a lot of times, especially when parents aren't aren't familiar with it, what it means to parent a child on the spectrum, they, you know, ridicule the child or tell them to stop. And that's really, that's really hurtful. So encouraging them to sell, that is a form of self-soothing, encourage them to take the time and the space to, to, you know, explore that and make sure that there's absolutely no shame around that there's no shame cast from any member of your family and there's nothing but support because it's really important it's really important to be able to be able to know how to self-soothe when you need it that calms your your son's nervous system yeah what he needs it's beautiful I was thinking, yeah, thinking about it, it should have been my other son doing the rocking and then the trancing sound, but the, the, my oldest son who is on the spectrum, he just, he just fidgets a little bit, but like, whatever. <laughs> um, but he bless his heart. He's such a loving boy. And I think I was telling you about this before is that my mom, my mom, <laughs> so she's very much like wants him to be like, she's like, I think it's her favorite grandchild. So. <laughs> And they're, they're very close. And so she just really wants him to be the best that he wants to be. So she will put him in Aikido. She put him in bowling. She put him in this and that. And I think he's enjoyed all of it. Swimming. He's done everything. But he really just loves video games. And so then I asked him, I, you know, I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? So I'm not sure. I said, well, have you thought about you know, maybe making your own video games since you love video games. And he's like, hmm. He's like, I don't know if Mama Linda would like that. I said, it's okay. It doesn't matter what Mama Linda wants. It's what you want. Because then if you do, let me know. And then we can help you get like some, a teacher for it. You know, like some coding or some classes or something for it. And that, that way he can have his mind exactly what he wants to do. But uh, I've been blessed. He's actually getting really good grades lately in school. So he, like he had like this. 3.8 GPA last uh last for his freshman year and now he's gonna a sophomore he started today <laughs> and so wow. we're just yeah so we're just I'm just hoping that everything stays well but I think he's come a long way and he's just doing well I think since mommy got better he's gotten a lot better as well I love that and your healing journey is a family journey it absolutely is and again there's no shame in being human Part of the way that we can stay connected with our children is through the vulnerability of being human. It's through showing our fallibility. It's letting them know that when we're struggling, it's not about them. It's about us doing our own work. And sometimes we need to give ourselves a time out because right now I'm, I'm, you know, dysregulated or in a reactive state, or I have big feelings and I need to sort them. And they're not about the person that's in front of me, my child or partner or, or, or mother. It's not about any of that. It's about me. That kind of modeling, the safety in the relationship with our inner worlds will, will actually, you're modeling a world of good for them 
down the road. I would watch though, if he's very concerned about people, you know, pleasing other people, people pleasing mm. is an indication that they don't have strong boundaries. So maybe there sense. are some activities or, or tools you can use so he can learn to check in and see what is really important to him first before going out to please another person. And it sounds like he's, he really loves his family and it, and honors his family. And that's beautiful, but raising him to the, the equal level. I, I talk about partnership parenting, which means each person in the family is a partner, which means not one person is more important, which means their internal worlds are the things that they bring to the partnership, the partnership with everybody in the family. And that is an important element to explore as a family. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that too, because that's, that's important to know. And I want to talk a little bit about your book that you have here. Now your book, you did you write it in 20, what, what year was it that 2022? So it was released in 2022, but I wrote it in 2021. 2021. Yeah, yes, it took a year. It took a year to write the thing. It's, it's <laughs> I'm in the process of writing a book too. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's too much. It's like, oh, what do I start? <laughs> a big project to write a book. And my book has so much research in it too. Yes. So. And I love the title too. Um, is this book, is this about you when you were a child? So it's, it's a lot of things. I, it's called seen, heard, and understood parenting and partnering with teens for greater mental health. So I talk about partnership parenting, which is, you know, I, I, you know, share the whole modality and tools and ways you can step into greater partnership. Um, Sort of on a side note, I call it anarchist parenting because it's non-authoritarian, not anarchy in the sense where there's chaos. And a lot of people equate the word anarchy to chaos, but it really means living without rulers. That's all the word means. That's it. So I just want to make sure that I've used the word several times and I have to make sure that people understand what I mean by that. I'm not right. talking about chaos and riots and crazy stuff. I'm just saying living without rulers. So to not be the ruler of another person, but in partnership, we all play different roles right? You know, I'm the breadwinner. I'm the person who is responsible and accountable for taking care of the family. Um, you know, I cook, I do most of the cleaning and, and that's okay. That just happens to be the roles that I live in this partnership. My son was so um, important to our family culture because he brought curiosity, he brought joy, he brought all of these incredible things that our family would just be a flat line, you know, if it wasn't for those great qualities that he brought to the family. So in partnership, we're not equal. We do different things, but no one person is higher or lower than the other. We're, we're equal in terms of what are words, you know, like I have an opinion, you have an opinion, let's talk it out and come to a a collaboration, a solution, but not, it's not, you know, mom says, so therefore I have the last word. I've never used that. 
Um, so the book is about partnership parenting. It's about, um, well, the teenage brain, uh, the neurobiology, the psychology, and the developmental understanding from a parent's perspective. So they understand when their child just walks by and doesn't say a word, what's happening inside. So we don't take it personally. It's also about using tools, tools for, um, you know, uncovering our belief system for defining what our core values are to to discover what our passions and purposes are to you know all of you know how to how to track your triggers how to uh, you know disarm your fears how to reprogram your thoughts all of these tools are super 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 powerful and a lot of the tools are science backed by psychologists and all sorts of different modalities. Um, and there, there's a lot of science, scientific um, uh, research about the teen at, at the adolescent brain in developmental stages, which really helps parents. And then each of the chapters, I share some of the personal stories of my childhood trauma to bring into context what I lived through. And hopefully many of the parents that read the book are really feeling seen because they can identify with very similar experiences. I share the experiences. I talk about my shame stories. I talk about you know, the belief systems that came about from the parenting that I had mm -hmm. and how that reflected in my own adolescence. So it's a wonderful book. It's written in a way, you know, most books are written by psychologists in this field. And I take the science and the psychologists, um, you know, their uh, research and share it in a way where it's palatable, where it's easy to read, and it flows in context to the parenting of a teen. It really, it's, 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 you know, if I, can yeah, say I love that. So what did, I can't wait to read it. Like, I'm excited for it. I'm like, yes, I have some reading material here. <laughs> That's exciting. Now, um, COVID. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ooh, that was uh took a toll on many children and especially teenagers. Um uh, yeah. my son wasn't a teenager at that time just yet, but he went through it and you provide like tools and you actually have an online program where yes. there's like a community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Before I talk about that, I yeah. just want to also mention in my book in the sec second chapter because I wrote it during COVID. Um I have a tool which talks about collective trauma. I used mm -hmm. to call it the COVID roller coaster. And one of my teens, you know, we, we go through the whole process, the diagram and all the stuff uh, in my courses, which I will talk about. But she said, this is not the COVID roller coaster. It's the trauma train. So it's <laughs> called trauma train in my book, thanks to one of my teens. But it's really important to understand that as a age and age, a community, a culture, we all had this collective trauma. There's nobody in the world who escaped from the, the collective trauma. Even if you didn't by yourself feel, you know, the, tr the trauma of what was happening in the world, you were affected by somebody who 
felt the trauma. And I explained the different stages of trauma. There's, you know, there's the, um, the, the first stage is feeling it. It's the shock. It's kind of similar to the stages of death and dying, you know, <laughs> yeah. the reason why I call it a, a roller coaster or a train is you, you go through these different stages and you go back and forth. It's not a linear progression. Mm -hmm. And the only time you get to the very last stage, which is the integration of the trauma or the healing of the trauma. And the only time that you can actually move into that stage is when the trauma's over. And still in, in 2023, we are still in the trauma because the world has changed. Even though we're at the tail end, it's still very, very difficult to integrate all of the changes that have happened in the world around us and the way that we feel about the world, right? Because yeah. let's face it, there's a lot of fear person-to-person -person fear now that didn't exist before. We were trained through the messaging around the pandemic that people can kill us, but like they can get us sick and we can die. Therefore, the message is people are not safe. And that's very difficult to recover from. You may in your mind believe that, okay, the pandemic's over. We're not wearing masks anymore. And that's okay. But we still have the residual from the belief that you may be unsafe for me. And anytime there is a culture of fear, people are easily manipulated mm -hmm. and our actions and reactions are not based on a conscious cognitive uh, thinking mind. They come from a gut response, which I talk about in my book too. <laughs> so, um, it's really important to recognize with compassion that we all went through something really big, really, really big. And because my son and I, like I said, we started Project World School 10 years ago. Well, in 2020, obviously, our trips were canceled right. as they were in 2021. And in fact, we just started up again in 2022 and 2023. So we're running trips again, finally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yay. But during that time, my community was reaching out to me saying, Lady, our teens are struggling. They're not traveling. They're, you know, they don't know mm -hmm. what to do. And so I started to create safe spaces online for teens. In March of 2020, um, I started hosting teen meetups. Mm -hmm. So I do two a week. I do for an older age group. We do a two hour meeting. It's, we come together for the first hour on zoom and, you know, we talk philosophy or we talk feelings, whatever, but it's usually a deep heart to heart talk. And then the second hour we play. And then for the younger group, we do sort of a gamified version of the, of, you know, internal worlds you know, exploration, and then we play. So we do games, we draw, we, we, you know, play Pictionary sometimes, and we do lots of different things. But I've been hosting these free meetings for teens since 2020, and I haven't stopped. So wow. I still four hours of my week every week is dedicated to showing up for teens. And from that, 
I started to develop taking all the tools that I used in my own self-directed healing and all the research that I used um, to create even more tools when I was facilitating Project World School trips because we needed to have those in my belt. And I started to form them into a course. And in 2021, I launched or maybe it was the end of 2020. I don't remember, but I launched Transformative Mentoring for Teens. Mm-hmm. And I've been hosting online courses, teaching these tools in a community setting. That's a lot of fun. And I still do them to this day. And I host for two age groups, the gamified version for the younger tweens and teens. So ages 10 to 13 and then mm-hmm. 14, 15, they're just on the cusp on up. We do a 12 week course where we really get into passions and purpose and triggers and limiting mm. beliefs and uh, reframing our thoughts and so many other things that are tools and skills. I wish I had, which would have helped me travel through my own adolescence. Absolutely. I feel like perhaps if I had you (laughs) growing up, then maybe I would have never drank alcohol. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Because I would have known who I was and I would have not have any limiting beliefs, but felt limitless. And then just, just go, just go for everything that I wanted. That was a passion of mine. But your path was your path. Exactly. That is true. I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it, though, to be honest, because I wouldn't be here now talking to you if I didn't go through the whatever I'm going through right now. I wouldn't be so true. you know, coach. And it's learning to have gratitude around those things that happened to us. We weren't in control or accountable or responsible for our childhood. We just weren't. We're not responsible for that stuff. But we are responsible as an adult on how we choose to integrate that. And as somebody who grew up with trauma, you know, I actually thank my mother. I mean, I write about her a lot in the book. You know, she did a lot of really not nice things. And I had a lot of stuff to heal around. But I love her because I wouldn't be on this path. If it wasn't for that experience, I could have gotten here if it wasn't for that experience. And beyond that, I'm accountable for changing it. It's always going to be a part of me. I'm always going to have that patterning and understanding that I have these deep seated beliefs about self that Mm -hmm. are not healthy. Yes, I've reprogrammed them, but they don't disappear. Mm -hmm. They are a part of me. And I will carry those parts of me till the day that I die proudly. Right. Right. Choose to act on them anymore, but they've informed who I've become. Yeah. Yeah. You have to look at who I, who was I before? Who am I now? Who would I want to be? And then it's all part of us. So it's the process. Oh, I love this conversation. Thank you so much, Lainey. I wanted to see where people can follow you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so probably the best way is transformative mentoring for teens.com. Um, my son and I also offer parenting courses based on partnership parenting. He 
shares from the perspective of a young man who grew up in partnership and what worked for him and what didn't work for him and the mistakes I made. He tells a lot of stories of the stupid stuff I did. (laughs) (laughs) We peeled it and it's a lot of fun, right? To work with both a mom and a son in a parenting class. So we do that at partnershipparent.com. And also, of course, there's Project World School. If you have teens that are looking to have an adventure, our next adventure is in November. And we're taking a group of teens for a month to Thailand. Wow. I have a friend, a coworker who's from Thailand, and she just shows me all these photos and everything. They're like, oh, so beautiful there. How exciting. It's it's amazing. It'll be our fifth trip. We've taken years. I love this. I love Thai food. (laughs) So good. I love all ethnic foods. I tell you, Um, my husband's Indian. I cook Indian food now. So I'm just like, (laughs) I love love it all. (laughs) I need to learn. I need to learn. Oh, yeah. Now he says I'm better than people at over at his town, like the, at the restaurants. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what I was doing during COVID time. I was learning how to cook. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, lady, for those listening who may feel overwhelmed or uncertain about their relationship with the teens and their lives, what is one piece of advice or insight you'd like to leave with them? Well, of course, it's always going to be pause before you speak, ask yourself if the thing that I'm going to do is meant to coerce or meant to connect and also normalizing conversations around the internal worlds. Um, If you pick up my book, there are tools to walk you through how to do all this stuff. And then the last thing I would say is Go down the rabbit hole to uncover what your core values are, what each of your children's core values are, and then together come together and create your family culture that defines the family's core values. And you will never need to have a rule in your life ever again, because all you have to do is run every decision through the filter of the core values to find out if it's in alignment. It's out of alignment. You have the internal guidance to say, no, we're not doing that. Not because it's against our family rules, but because that's not in alignment with what's important to us. Mm. And that's empowering. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lainey. My pleasure. Thank you for this conversation. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to Feedspot. They recognized my show as being on the 50 Best Women Sobriety Podcasts. I am super excited about that and I couldn't have done it without you. I also want to introduce my new mini course. It is called Overcoming Challenges. So if you're having difficulty in everyday life with things happening that are unexpected or you're like, how do I handle this? I have the tool. (laughs) I will leave those links in the show notes. And if you are wanting to be part of my newsletter, make sure you text the word SHINE, that's S-H-I-N-E at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's 1-855-649-6196. 
please make sure you leave a five-star review if this podcast is for you. Love you.